You are listening to the one and only Wrestling Change My Life podcast. Let's go. My mindset changed, you know, where um, the workouts went beyond practice time workouts. You know, the mindset went went to thinking of such a bigger picture than such a small picture of of winning this tournament. Forget winning this tournament. Let's let's um, let's be the best in the country. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. How we doing, folks? How we living? You're listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's opening week in the college season. It's snowing in Chicago. It's wrestling time, baby, and we're bringing you a great podcast today with Zach Esposito, the pride of New Jersey, associate head coach at Oklahoma State, and former national champ for the Cowboys back in his prime. This one is pure wrestling stories. Zach talks about Mako, Mark Perry, John and Pat Smith, just, just the who's who of some of the best wrestlers you've ever heard of. Zach talks about them in this episode. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Mr. Zach Esposito, for coming on. And thank you to all those who are listening right now. It's a real honor to do this podcast, and it wouldn't be possible without you folks tuning in. So thank you. Before we get to the interview, a fan of the week goes to Cy Madrid, high school wrestler, future U.S. Marine, and listener of the show. Gracias, good sir. Gracias. And that's it. Let's give it up for Zach Esposito. Peace! Zach Esposito, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's dive right on I'm into big, it. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. That's see. That is the craziest thing to me. If if you would have told me that that college coaches listen to this podcast, I would have said, "I'm retiring. I'm quitting right on the spot. Mission accomplished." <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I mean, you you have some good, you know, good good people on. You know, I enjoy listening to the interviews, especially you know against you know coaches that I've looked up to. Um, you know. Um, it's just kind of it's just cool to hear from them and hear their philosophy and you know sometimes you get to hear from a person that's successful and and it's nice to hear some of the ways that you're thinking is similar to the way they think um you know so it's 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 kind of reassuring but you know it's nice also when people share their struggles and yeah. and uh realize that you know it's they're not too far different than than normal people so that's the thing that's been cool about this to me is you look up to someone um 
like a like a I just had Brett Metcalf on on Friday. Like when I was growing up, that guy was like when I thought of him, I thought of just iron steel, like uh, just unrelenting work ethic. And he was telling me on Friday, he's like, there was a lot of times when I was at Iowa where. I'd wake up and maybe not feel like it, but then 10 minutes later, I'm out there working, you know? So good to know that everyone has some of those mornings where they're not feeling a hundred percent, but they still got to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just like you look at college now and you see a lot of great coaches throughout the country. And, you know, when maybe when I was in school or even before that, you know, you look at a school, you know, even like Wyoming and, um, you know, my former assistant coach, you know, is the head coach there now, and he's a two-time national champ, and they got an assistant coach that's a two-time national champ, and, you know, and, you know, they're, they're, they're creating, you know, a team, and so sometimes when you see those guys, and you're, you're just wondering, like, they got all these great coaches, and all these people around, it's like, you know, they're showing good technique, you know, what separates it, and maybe it is that person that doesn't feel that good when they wake up in the morning, but they know 10 minutes later, they'll feel better. So they know they can push through things, you know, so maybe, right. you know, that was a thing that can separate Metcalf from the rest of, you know, the country at his weight class. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just so fascinating to, to hear these stories. And I just feel so honored and blessed to be able to do it because, you know, I'm just a big, a big wrestling guy. And I like talking to wrestlers about, about life and, you know, going a little bit deeper than just rankings and scores. So, it's been a lot of yeah. fun, and you excited to get into it with you, man, because I got to tell you, the first time I saw your name was in a magazine, and it was uh, Israel Martinez. You and him had wrestled way back for, like, the Esquire Worlds or, like, the Cadet Worlds, and I didn't really know your name at that time, but Israel Martinez was massive in Illinois, and that's where I grew up. Um, but then, obviously, it was just a year later, you were on the national scene for Oklahoma State, and you've been there ever since, man, so... How did this all yeah. start for you back in uh, back well, in Jersey, back in the days? Well, kind of, you know, when, when you mentioned that, I, I, you know, I was listening to that Mako interview of you, and you know, and and um, you mentioned Izzy, and that was a big turning point in my career. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I really wasn't that good of a wrestler. I think I went I went zero and two in the Kinnatinny tournament in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it was it was literally our JV tournament for for Blair. And um, I think I was like, uh, we were at Junior Duels, or um, and I was actually watching like Izzy warm up with another guy, um, because you know there's other guys on the team and they talk and they they'll be like, oh look at this guy, watch this guy work out, and and I was like, I have no clue who any of these guys are, you know. Um, uh, so I remember watching him warm up and I was like, man, this guy's supposed to be the top guy in the country, and you know he's he's showing it. And and I was nowhere near that point. So what was crazy is, you know, by the end of that sophomore year, I ended up wrestling him my senior year in high school, and he just won a junior college title. And it was at the junior world team trials. And, okay. And um, I wrestled him in the finals and, and, and beat him there. And then, you know, that was kind of just, you know, just nice to be able to see, you know, the development throughout high school. But Izzy was always a tough competitor. But, you know, I enjoyed wrestling that type of style because, he would cut loose and he'd wrestle, you know, so it was a little bit nicer to, to wrestle that type of guy. But, um, no, but growing up, I have three older brothers. So naturally I just fell into order with them and started a recreational program. Like most people, you know, do, or at the time did, you know, my older brother brought home a flyer from school and my mom having four boys just said, let's get these guys out of the house <laughs> and put putting holes in the wall and put them into a wrestling room. So, 
you know, we started with a with a rec program, um, and naturally just kind of followed them. Were so, your brothers real good wrestlers? Like, were they state champs and uh, state placers? No, you know, my so uh, my my oldest brother. No, none of them were state champs. And then um, my oldest brother, he went to American, but before it was American. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, my brother Dave, uh, he went to Lehigh. Um, he never won a state title, and and um, he ended up taking third and second at nationals um, for Lehigh oh, um, wow. back in two thousand one. So probably when he started getting hot in wrestling is is when I really started probably maybe noticing and following it a lot more. Um, so, uh, but I developed you know pretty well like. You know, after the wreck, after we started getting serious with it, I mean, my my brothers were always serious of it. Um, so we we went to the edge school wrestling, and you know, at a, at a real early age, and Ernie Monaco was our coach, and um, his brother was pretty successful. Carl Monaco was a you know was a NCA runner-up, uh, wrestled for Montclair State, where back in the day, if you won that division, then you could move up and wrestle in the Division One nationals. Um, so it's kind of crazy. So the skills that we learned were really good. So I, I was able to, you know, at a young age, I was taught the right things. Um, and I was taught outside the box. And we were shown, you know, film of of foreigners when it was really hard. It wasn't like you'd go on your computer and watch people wrestle. I mean, it was really rare to have a tape from the world championships. Um, so, you know, we grew up watching guys like Arsene Fatsayev and, um, you know, later on when I got to high school, you watched Satiev and, um, you know, a bunch of other guys. So we got to, you know, really develop and, and, um, have a lot of difference. And there was a ton of good guys in that room, like guys like Donnie Pritzloff. When I was a little kid, Donnie Pritzloff was, was a high school kid. He was my brother's age. So, you know, being able to see him and his work ethic and he was like a three-time national, uh, state champ and turned out to be a two-time national champ. Um, his, his cousin Glenn Pretzloff ended up being a national champ for Penn State and um and uh so it was it was a nice little you know nice room that you know really pushed guys um and then from there just fell into Blair and then from and then that's when my career kind of took off so did you were you going to go to Blair regardless just because it was a good academic school or did you go there to wrestle no i mean i i kind of went there to kind of escape my home situation <laughs> at first. Um, my, my brothers all went to college. Um, my parents just went through a divorce. Um, and it was kind of just shaky at home. Things were a little bit just, you know, not to the day-to-day um, basis. And, it, and it's no, you know, knock on my parents or anything like that. It was just a tough time for them. Um, so I, I thought a little bit like I could relieve a little bit of stress on them for me to go um to Blair and I literally took it upon myself to do it where I filled out my own application and, and, um, and, wow. and uh, you know, luckily got in. Um, Did but like it was, Buxton it was know my, you coming in? I mean, usually I feel like guys would yeah, go there. Cause we would always, yeah. Cause we, um, Jer- team Jersey, team New Jersey's camp was always in, uh, at Blair in the summertime, mm-hmm. uh, for Fargo. So, um, you know, so he knew this, he, he was, you know, he, he knew Ernie really well. And, um, you know, a lot of my team at Blair came from that edge, uh, programs, guys like Kurt Backus and Corey Cooperman. Um, so we had uh, and and Steve Mako, you know, and Steve Mako went through there too. So, you know, a lot of our guys on the Blair team, I grew up with them just in our club and, and it was kind of nice 
you know, that, you know, Bucks and kind of inherited a group, good group of guys, not just tough, but just knew how to wrestle, you know, knew, knew their skill. Um, and then kind of with Buxton's personality kind of just enforced this toughness in us um, that, that, that kind of took us to another level too. So he's uh he was one of the first guests I ever had on here. And the, I was actually out in New York for work that week. And so I stopped off at Lehigh to meet him in person and I thought it was going to be like an hour-long interview. Next thing I know, I'm at his apartment watching film on Kyle Dake. Like the guy's just an absolute <laughs> wrestling nut. And then I was supposed to take a train from Philly to New York, and he goes, "I'll just take you," because he has a facility in Jersey. And so next thing I know, yeah. I'm on the Turnpike with Jeff Buxton, and I'm like, "God, what a what a dream come true!" Because growing up, Blair Academy was awesome, and I really first got into them because I was a huge Mark Perry fan, and I talk about this all the yeah. time, but I thought it was just so cool that he did not go to Oklahoma State, even though he obviously could have, but he went to Iowa, and I grew up an hour from the University of Iowa, and so I go, uh-huh. man, Mark Perry is the man, and then when he won Midlands as a freshman, that's when I became obsessed with him, but then I started looking at him, and I go, shit, he went to Blair, so did Mako, then I kind of went down this rabbit hole, and my mom and I were just really intrigued by the Blair like mystique, and kind of all that went into it. And then you realize that before Buxton, they were like a good program, but not nationally ranked. And then I just became infatuated wow. with him, man. So like, what do you take away from Buxton? Like now that you're a coach and kind of looking back. Oh, on your I mean, just, um, I mean, just a lot. I mean, he just lived it, you know, so, you know, um, it probably affected his home life, but, um, yeah, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much separation, um, between the sport and, and, and his life, um, you know, it, it went beyond. And, and with me, with all my coaches, um, my my relationship with our coaches, it, it went beyond the wrestling room. And and um, he's shown me that. Um, Ernie Monaco showed me that of just, you know, to to be a good good coach also doesn't mean just it's just that three to five or um, it, it goes it goes outside the room when you see a guy struggling. Um, you know, you, you go to eat with him and. You, you know, I, I spent all I spent time at you know Buxton's house. You know, something that it's probably tougher to do now um, yeah. than back then. But I mean, I was a part of their families. Um, with all my coaches, I was a part of their family, um, and and that's probably just the type of kid I was. Um, but you know, maybe I needed that. But I think what Buxton has showed me is that you know, it just everything just went beyond it. Um, you know, just to make you a good wrestler didn't mean just teaching them skills. It was teaching them life life lessons outside the room. But also just, you know, knowing that my coach cared about me and mm-hmm. then my, my, you know, performance wasn't just for myself, you know, it was because, you know, it was to give back to the coach also, you know, it's like, you know, even after I won a national title with, with coach Smith, I mean, it was something that, you know, you know, I'm sharing with him, you know, not, not just, it was for myself, um, you yeah. know, because I, I appreciate all the time they put into me outside the room, regardless of in the room. Um, but yeah, he, you know, it's funny you brought up Mark Perry because you know, he got there. I was, uh, I think I was, uh, I was there for two years with Mark. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he went from like 130 to like all of a sudden he outweighing me and 
in high school too. But, um, <laughs> it was funny because it was. I, I imagine it'd be like me from Jersey coming out to Oklahoma with a with his crazy accent, and then you know he came to Jersey from Oklahoma, and then he's talking about his uncle Mark going coon hunting and all this stuff, and we're like, this dang hillbilly. This <laughs> <It was> kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but Mark was just Mark was just so he was intense, man. He he's definitely. Um, you know, if you know his dad, his dad's intense. And if you know the Smith family, um, wrestling is extremely important to them. And, uh, you know, he had it, you know. So, like, sometimes, like, he'd be in practice and get taken down. And he'd freak out. And we're like, what the hell's wrong with this kid? You know, like, <laughs> he's, he's throwing his headgear against the wall. He's cursing. He's hitting mad. We're like, you know, um, it was kind of. Dude, it's just a takedown. <laughs> yeah. And probably, you know, maybe if he didn't go to Blair, he probably would have ended up at OSU because, you know, he's in Stillwater the whole time. But maybe that he got out of Oklahoma, um, you know, he he was able to kind of he opened up his options. But I remember when he was getting recruited um, because I was a freshman. And, I, and, and um, you know, it was tough on the family when he went to from OSU to Iowa. You know, it was it was actually you know, something that I didn't think was that big of a deal, you know, but um, now being around them for so long, I mean, it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. I mean. Um, so you were already at Oklahoma State. So you knew Mark yeah, well so, from being at Blair. And when Mark got yeah. to Blair, did you know who he was? Or was he just completely Yeah, unknown? but he was just, I mean, yeah, but he was just, you know, he, I think he took second at state as a freshman at Oklahoma, and then he showed up. Uh, as a sophomore so he wasn't you know and I was a junior so I, I was kind of already almost on my way to being kind of national kind of established yeah. you know yeah I wasn't yet but you know we had guys like Mako and everything so he was completely under the radar until um you know he was really kind of behind did you behind live with that group until... no I lived with Mako we lived in a room that was like <laughs> 10 by 10 like a jail cell. <laughs> yeah, it was it was hilarious. Um, but I'll tell you some stories about Steve living with us. That was that was a fun time. Let's hear him, um, man. Oh man. Well, so Steve was like, you know, he was a he he was the most feared guy as uh, as a high school wrestler. I mean, it was crazy because he was winning these college tournaments. And at that time, it was unheard of. I mean, they had stories of Colot and Jack Kuvo, so there really hasn't been other guys like that. And then for a high school kid, I remember he entered a college tournament, East Stroudsburg Open, as a junior and won it. Um, and Whoa. it was just like, you know, I was like, I don't care how how uh, good you are. This is, you know, 17-year-old kid, you know, being 22-year-old men at heavyweight, let alone 125 or or, or, or another weight class, you know, so the battle to find him workout partners was something I don't envy of, of Buxton, you know, especially <laughs> now as a coach realizing that like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta go get this guy a workout partner. So, you know, Buxton's pulling in everyone to work out with this guy. We had a guy named Nate Burroughs who wrestled at Brown, um, was our English teacher. Um, so, um, and then, um, Solomon Flackman, who was one of the assistant coaches, um, wrestled at Lehigh and, was an all American had worked out with him and then um um and then we had our guy that was our dorm master. So a dorm master is basically like the parent that lives in the dorm. So they'll live like all the younger teachers will live in the dorm with their you know, if they have a family with their mm -hmm. family. And basically they go check, you know, we have study hall from eight to ten 
where you know your your phones didn't work or, or anything didn't work and you were supposed to be in your room studying and uh you know Mock would just beat the crap out of them all in practice. <laughs> so, so for any of them to like come in to try to punish them was like, I remember our dorm master come in and be like, "Hey, is is Steve here for study hall?" And I'd be like, "No, I think he's um, around. He's he just put his head down and just walk out the room. <laughs> just like there's nothing I can do." <laughs> and it was like, it was just funny. And it's not like Steve like took advantage of it. It's just there was like Steve was actually a good student. So like there was just protocols you had to go through. Like if you took like what's called like an honor night where you didn't have to stay in your dorm room and you could go do something, you had to fill out something and tell them. Steve, well, you know, Steve just did it and and be gone. And the teacher would be like, "Where's Steve?" I'm like, uh, "He's uh, I think he's taking an honor night." And he's like. All right, just tell him next time to fill out the paper. <laughs> just, just completely defeated. <laughs> Did he ever lose in high school? He lost one. He had lost one match in high school. I, you know, like he lost one high school match during the season, um, and I want to say it was when he was a freshman. And then um, he lost at Fargo to a guy named Antonio Gray. Who uh, interesting thing about Antonio Gray? He played in the pros in football. Um, he played at Boston College, and he would play the whole season, and he wrestled for Boston College. So I think he wrestled in two NCAA tournaments, but his junior year, he uh, he took third and had, like, the most falls in the least amount of time. So, like, they, he was a freak athlete. He, okay. was, he was unbelievable. Yeah, he was from Rawway, New Jersey, same, same uh, high school as Darian Caldwell. Oh wow! So it was so, a Jersey guy. So you yeah. all knew him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he beat Steve in the finals of 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 uh, Fargo. And yeah, I mean, he, he would he would tell us he was like, yeah, there's two people on Boston College team. It was me and the 165 pounder. So we'd work out together, and then I'd just show up at the conference and then go on to NCAs. <laughs> <laughs> like he literally would not wrestle at all all year, go qualifying and. Took third at nationals one year. So oh, a freak of freak athletes. Then okay, one of those guys. Yeah, so exactly. so yeah. Mako, and you think about Mako. I didn't realize this till I talked to him. He's a really funny guy. Like he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah, you know the thing about Steve is, you know, he's got five kids now. So he just had another daughter. Um, you know, his kids will never see the side of him that was of the competitor. He's so much more laid back now, and kind of. You know, maybe because he got out of the competition realm of it, or maybe he's just, you know, just happy. Um, and I'm sure he's got that fire in him still. You know, he mentioned, he was like, yeah, I'd wrestle an exhibition match, you know, yeah. just, just for it. But, I mean, he was vicious, um, and he was a big part of the reason why I was able to turn, you know, my my career or, or create a career. You know, forget, you know, what I did. Just he, he, he just, he kind of helped me just you know, have the opportunity for it. Um, so like I said, my freshman year, I, I went like, Oh, and two in a kid and titty tournament. I mean, I was, I was good. I was talented, you know, but I just didn't have that, that next level thing. And then, um, my sophomore year, Steve moved in from St. Benedict's, mm-hmm. um, high school, uh, to Blair. And, and, um, you know, I knew him from growing up, um, and when he moved in, we, you know, we lived together, my mindset changed, you know, where um, the workouts went beyond practice time workouts. You know, the mindset went went to thinking of such a bigger picture than such a small 
picture of of winning this tournament. Forget winning this tournament. Let's let's um, let's be the best in the country. You know, let's you know let's go be able to compete with college guys. Um, so I kind of piggybacked off of Steve. You know, my sophomore year, and and by the end of my sophomore year, you know, I started to get you know nationally recognized. Um, so it was kind of crazy because the work ethic was. Um, shown by a heavyweight, which you don't normally see that no, at, not all. at all. I mean, and just that mentality, God, it seems like a guy who's infectious to be around. And so that was kind of the crew that Mark Perry was rolling into. And so when you were at OSU as a freshman, um, before we get there, how did you get to OSU? Were you looking at other colleges? Yeah, I was looking at. Well, I got one good Marco story for you. Hit me, baby. So this Hit is me. this was this was the way this is the way Steve was i mean steve was the type of guy he's like you know i'm legally able to kill this guy on the mat if i want you know <laughs> like he was he was that type of person i mean you know that mako film of him i mean he was he was vicious man he was he was a vicious person um off the mat he was he was nice and, and everything but man he was just intense so we used to we in in, in blair you wrestled some of these prep duels that were you know you wrestled some guys that probably were like first-year wrestlers or guys that, I mean, some of them couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, <laughs> and um, we're wrestling this these dual meets, and the coach of Petty at the time was uh, John Leonardis, who's the assistant coach at Rutgers right now. And uh, he used to work out with Steve in high school too because it was like that thing, like finding workout partners for him. Um, so it was actually like Blair's rival school was Petty, but um, – not in high school, just in, or not in wrestling, but other sports. Okay. And uh, the guy, he goes up to Steve. He goes, Steve, hey, um, my heavyweight wants to wrestle you. I was trying not to, but, you know, he just wants to wrestle you. Just so that one day when you're in the Olympics, he said he wrestled Steve Mako. He's like, he's like, uh, don't choke him out, Steve. He's like, he's like, don't send him out there then. He's like, he's like, no, Steve, listen, man, the kid is not, he's not, he's not good or anything. He's just like, just just turn him over and pin him real fast and and he's like he's like all right whatever man <laughs> so so uh, uh leonardo sends sends his guy out there and he, he shoots it on steve steve grabs a front head chokes him out turns him over pins him all pins him and leonardo's like steve what the heck you know he starts yelling, he's, like, <laughs> I, he's like yeah he's got a better story to tell bro <laughs> <laughs> dude so people even back then just knew mako was going to be in the olympics like there was no doubt about it yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, he was, he was just, he was, wow. uh, he was probably one of the greatest high school wrestlers ever, you know, him and a guy like Kerry Collard and I'm sure Gable Stevenson was, was one of those, um, yeah. you know, a couple, couple guys that, you know, that's, that's a, would have been an interesting match if you could go back in time and make a dream match up in high school of Gable and Steve, Steve, I mean, but, um, yeah, it was, um, now, were you guys traveling out not. to to like St. Paris Graham in the Ironman back then? Yeah, yeah. I don't think St. Paris Graham was what they were. I think they came like right after, because when I was in high school, it was it was still St. Ed, it was St. Ed's and St. It was it was St. Ed's and Easton. Um, I want to say like those were the top teams because when we used to wrestle Easton in high school, I mean it was it was us. It was like one verse three or one verse two in the country, and I mean those were crazy duel mates just for a high school. Um, I mean, remember one time we we went to Easton and they were pegging our bus with with ice balls, 
that, that kind of funny type of type of environment. So yeah, uh, I think St. Parish Graham started a little bit maybe when Schlater's got there and and um, okay and uh, Taylor. So man, it's funny you say the but, Schlater name. Matt Calf was just talking about how Dustin Slater and C.P. Slater they were like untouchable back in the day in high school. Like they, people had really never seen someone like that dominant i mean i know there's a lot of great high school wrestlers but to hear someone like metcalf say that it's like holy shit dude you kind of forget how good they were back in the day now you wrestled yeah they were good yeah i mean slayer won it his freshman year you know and kind of showed how good he was coming out of high school i mean i could probably say that now that i'm older and maybe a little more mature about it you interviewed me 10 10 years ago i probably hung up the phone on you (laughs) (laughs) but those, those rivalries nah. go deep, man. <laughs> yeah, those things never leave you. <laughs> no. You wake up in the middle of the night at like 4 in the morning, go get a glass of water from the fridge, and be like, God dang, I can't believe I lost to that guy. <laughs> those, things, those, those competitiveness doesn't uh, doesn't leave you. But no, uh, but to go from uh, um, Blair to OSU, uh, you know, Mark, Mark being on the team at Blair, you know, opened my eyes to Oklahoma State. You know, because in Jersey – I mean, I could. The only states I could tell you was California was on the other side of the country. Texas was a big place in, down low, and 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 that was about it. I mean, and New York was right next to us. I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, it, people in Jersey don't go beyond Jersey, you know, of that, of 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 thinking like that. So, you know, Oklahoma was just at the time, you know, I mean, there. I mean, I knew who John was, um, just because of films that my coach would show us when we were younger. And, um, you know, the kind of crazy thing about it was, um, when I was in, um, probably when I was like 12 years old or so, um, uh, John came back and was recruiting, um, recruiting Pritzloff and another guy named Griff Powell out of, uh, out of our club at Edge. And he came back with Pat Smith and he was, he was drilling with, you know, right after one of our practices, we all sat on the side um, because Pat and John were going to get a drill in. You know, I wish I could go back in time now and wow. actually, like, appreciate it. Um, but John's like, all right, who's up first? And uh, me and Cooperman actually went out there and, like, rolled around with John, you know, like takedowns. And then we watched John and Pat drill. And Ernie at the time was like, you know, one one day you might be recruiting one of these guys. And it's crazy how things turn out that, you know, 17 years later I'm still here at, at OSU and you That's know crazy you know real close with him so but um Mark Mark probably Mark you know Mark being from Oklahoma I mean opened my eyes to it you know made it show it was more possible and and really um Steve went to Steve graduated a year before me um so Steve went to Iowa um and then um I took a visit I took a visit to Iowa because Steve was there too, and 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 Tom was the assistant coach. Brands was the assistant coach to Zaleski, um, and um, I went to Iowa State when Bobby was the coach. Um, Kale was going into his senior year, and um, and I went to OSU, and then um, Lehigh uh, because my brother went to Lehigh, and then I kind of I grew up around Lehigh, so mm-hmm. and Lehigh was only an hour away from home. And really, ultimately, it came down to between OSU and Lehigh, um, just, just, just um, whether I'm gonna stay home. And I had a really good relationship with Pat Santoro, um, and still do to this day. Um, but and it was a tough decision. Um, but 
there's a little bit of me that wanted the bright lights, you know, and and um, it was a gut feeling, and and then I just came out here and and um, you know never left. So it, it turned out to be a good thing. And you wrestled as a true freshman at Oklahoma State, right? Yeah, I never redshirted. Yeah, mm-hmm. came right in, yeah. man. And so what was it? Uh, give us some some insights on what it was like when when Perry was going to Iowa and was Johnny Hendricks already at OSU at this time? Yeah, Johnny was in my class, you know, it it would have worked out, you know, you know, it would have worked out in a way. I mean, Mark, if Mark came here, they would have found a way with the lineup. I mean, it was just tough. I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, when, when we go to Iowa, it's such, it's a weird relationship between us and Iowa too, because we're, we're real competitive with each other. Um, but there's a sense of respect between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, there's a crate, there's, you know, of, you know, of Randy Lewis and Leroy Smith. Yes. Um, you know, that story of, of, uh, of making the Olympic team in 84, where, you know, they literally went back and re re wrestled the match. At, the last 50 you know, seconds of the match. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was just, um, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's just a crazy story. I mean, they should do a 30 for 30 on that or something. I mean, but, um, Flo make a film about it, but, uh, they were, you know, Leroy won the match. I mean, I think they had a parade, you know, in Dell city and, you know, everyone's excited. And I want to say Leroy maybe took a silver medal in the world championships the year before that. And, um, you know, this, they were, it was the boycott year for the communist country. So, I mean, kind of whoever won that match was was kind of a shoe-in or the heavy favorite to win the Olympics, which Randy did. And then um, it literally went to arbitration or actually it might have went to a court where it went beyond arbitration and came back and wrestled the last 50 seconds. They were like, all right, you're losing now. Go. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Randy made the team and and, uh, won the Olympics. And then four years later, John wrestles Randy Lewis off in the finals of the trials and John beats beats Randy and he goes on to win the win the you know his first Olympic title, you know so little brother got a little bit of revenge on it. So, I mean there was there was you know there's stories like that. Um, so it was just like it was it was just you know it was just a rivalry. It's just like what do you mean you're sending your son to Iowa? Like even like, before Penn even... State, there was only really two programs um, for a while, yeah. and then Minnesota got in there too, but. Like before that, it was just pretty much Iowa and Oklahoma State, and when those two teams dueled, it might as well have been an all-star meet. Um, that yeah, like Jo Russell and Ramos. Well, OU, and OU was great. OU was great at the time too. You know, um, that's right. OU was good. So yeah, it was Iowa State, Iowa, OU, us. Um, like those were know. the teams. Yeah, those were the teams. So I mean, you know, you're sending your your son, who's like the number one kid in the country, to a rival school. You know, and you know, so I mean, it was hard. It was definitely hard on on them, um, and and but it, you know, it it worked itself out. I mean, later on, you know, OSU still won the team title, so that was nice. Yeah, you were on four <laughs> national championship teams, man. What do you remember about getting to Oklahoma State and and some early lessons from uh, from Coach Smith or like some early encounters where you're like, all right, these guys mean business here. Oh. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I just, I, I came in with that mindset already. You know, like I, I already kind of even coming out of high school, I was like, 
you know, I was I wrestled 152 my senior year in high school, but I was always weighing like 149. You know, it was just one of those things that was just easier for the team. Mm-hmm. That if I went 52, and we had plenty of guys, I think, you know, uh, throughout the lineup. So when I came in, I was already going like I'm gonna go 41 this year. Um, and 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 it was like, all right, we're on gunning for a national title, and it was really coming more from the guys on the team than than um, you know than the coaches. Um, and, um, you know, I think the thing that I remember most was that I couldn't get a dang takedown on Jared Sanders, our 49 pounder until about January, you know, <laughs> putting my head through a wall, you know, I was just, you know, everyone was pretty, was pretty intense in the room. Um, you know, just the way John was is John, you know, he wanted, he wanted the effort every day. He wanted the effort. Um, you know, my freshman year didn't turn out to be, you know, a great year for me. I had a great season, not a great finish. Um, and, and um, um, but, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, John, you know, I didn't make too many mistakes, so I never got on, like, John's bad side Yeah. Um, of, of those kind of things. But um, I definitely, real, you know, recognized the difference of the way Coach was towards us. And then the way he is now with guys. Um, has it changed you know, that much? Got, yeah, I mean, I, it, it definitely has. I mean, I think he's in like his 27th season or 26th season. Um, so, you know, as the times change, um, he's adapted to the kids really well. Um, you know, he knew how to individually uh, get to get to us. You know, the way... You know, Pat Smith was a big, big factor for me in college. He helped me a ton. Um, you know, probably maybe the way, you know, they they knew how to get to the individual's personality um, and bring out the best in them. And and that's probably what, what a good coach really does. Um, I know, you know, you know, Pat Smith was a lot tougher on Chris Pendleton as the, as how he was on me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and John was, you know, John probably knew that if he said something, you know, positive to me, it'd go a lot further than something negative to me. Um, so, you know, but but today, you know, if guys mess up or, or guys do it, um, probably if we messed up, he got on to us and 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 let us have it. And that was and that was it today if he gets onto a kid he probably spends double the time talking to him why he got onto him than than he was getting onto him so uh it, it, a lot more individual time you know with those guys today um and and probably his patience his patience is so much more now he has so much more patience for a guy to turn things around um than than maybe when I was wrestling um, he just, you know, even some guys today where I'm like, I don't know about this guy. And he's like, ah, no, stick with him, stick with him, stick with him. And probably that goes because of guys like, you know, Johnny Hendricks, when Johnny Hendricks was here, or Jake Rochold. I mean, Jake Rochold's freshman year, I don't think he placed in the Omaha tournament his freshman year. And, you know, he, 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 well, I mean, I think he went into nationals as like, well, like, as like the 13th seed or something and end up winning it, um, as a, as a freshman. So, I mean, Crazy. You know, his patience of going, going, you know, stay with this guy, stay with this guy, stay with him, stay with him. He could, he could, he could do it. Don't give up on him. You know, kind of crazy to hear that. You know, from him where he thought he was just gonna go. Yeah, he ain't, he ain't got it. He ain't got it. You know, so, 
Um, and Ed Hendricks, no, I mean, he was like a, a big recruit back then too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a pretty good. That was a good class. So like the top three recruits out was was uh, Johnny, myself, and Tion. And you know, at one point it was it was me and Tion were ranked number one and two in the country as at as true freshmen at one forty one. And Tion went to go on to win it um, uh, that freshman year. So you know, it was it was a crazy class. And then Johnny came out. Um, he redshirted that year, and his his next year came out and beat Bertine. Um, as the uh, you know was the returning national champ, um, Johnny actually wasn't starting his freshman year. He got beat by Kevin Ward in two matches. Um, he got beat to Kevin Ward, who's the head coach of West Point right now. He lost it in, in the ranking match, and then he lost him an open tournament. And then um, we went to national duels, and Kevin got beat by a guy that really I don't know who it was. And then, so they put Johnny in the next match against Michigan, and then Johnny beat Bertine. And then it was kind of just came down to, you know, Johnny's going to be the starter because, you know, he's just he's up beating, and beating guys and... in competition. Well, he's beating guys in competition, you know. So right. That, so I don't, honestly, now what's crazy is that we don't even do ranking matches anymore. Uh, we don't even do, you know, we don't even do wrestle offs anymore. We just we go to open tournaments and. And who does well in open tournaments and who's performing um, the best is the guy that's going to get the spot. Because there just might be a conflict of just, you know, you wrestle with this guy every day and kind of, right. you know, you might just have his number, but in competition, you know, so that kind of goes to that guy that's performing. And that's what, it, I mean, That those teams you were on were so stacked. Um, I mean, Pendleton. His battles with Askren are legendary. You know, Hendricks, yeah. I mean, and then one of my favorite guys – Going way back was Johnny Thompson, man. That guy was just a, oh man, animal. Man. Oh man, when I came here as a freshman, so like he was actually like the guy when I came here. He was like the guy I looked up to of just going like, like you know, uh, I spent a lot of times. So I was real tight with Shane Roller as as a friend, um, but and I walked, but when I had a when I walked in the room, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to get to work out with Johnny Thompson because, you know, we're around the same weight class, and especially in the fall, he was a little bit heavier <laughs> than 33. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it, he was he was, he was was the guy when I was coming out. I was like, man, I, I was like, this this guy's awesome. And Johnny Thompson, you know, I think he was like a one-time state champ, and um, he was committed to Missouri, I want to say. And, and uh, I was just telling the team about this, you know, the other day of just, you know, guys that take jumps in, in college and guys that just when it clicks, it clicks. Um, you know, Johnny Thompson was he was like a one-time state champ, and I want to say he like barely won his state title. Um, he was committed to Missouri, and we were recruiting a guy named Foley Dow at the time, and he Foley ended up going to um, Michigan. And, um, you know, so we had no 33-pounder, and, you know, Johnny's from Oklahoma, and he's like an hour away from home. And you know, uh, someone brought him up to John, and John said, "Hey, if you know if you're interested in coming." And Johnny was like, "You know, I grew up always watching OSU. I really want to be a Cowboy." So you know, he came on the team, and he redshirted a year. And and then um, they he didn't even start until maybe January of his of his freshman year. It was him and a guy named John Mark Bentley, and John Mark Bentley actually beat Jurgens that year in a duel meet against Iowa. Um, but Dang. but Johnny was the guy. But Johnny was the guy um, 
to do it uh, or to come out. So, I mean, this guy turned out as a one-time state champ, and he ended up being a three-time finalist, a two-time champ, and a four-time All-American. And, and uh, man, he was mean. He was mean. He just – Johnny was? Oh, man, he was he was mean. Yeah. He was he was just mean in that wrestling room. He was just scrappy. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Man, those guys, I mean, you think about the guys that were there in the club scene too. Eric Guerrero, Cormier, yeah. um, Jamil. Jamil Kelly. I mean, unbelievable yeah. guys that were just yeah. in that program. Now, was Coach Script? Uh, excuse me, Coach Smith. Was he scrapping back then, or was he more of a? Yeah, yeah. No, he was scrapping. Like you know, he still wrestle. I'd work out with him. Yeah, he. I'd work out with him. Um, Eric would work out with him. Jamil would work out with him. Um, Man, it was crazy. It was crazy to see, you know, how good he was at, you know, close to 40. <laughs> then he, you know, just what was this guy really like when he was 24? You know, Man. that was that was that was crazy. And you know, uh, but yeah, you know, I was tight with with those guys because I was around their weight class. You know, with Eric and and Jamil. Um, I went with Jamil to um, the World Championships in '03, and then the Olympics in '04. And Jamil's story—I don't know if you've had him on, but he'd be a great guy to have on. He never was a state champ, never was an All-American, um, and took a silver medal in the Olympics. And um, you know, just just you know, hearing stories about even like you know John, how John was with with Jamil, um, you know, where you know Jamil got done with college and he's like i don't know about this anymore and john's like your best wrestling's ahead of you you know and for john to say that to him and to see it and him to believe it was was incredible and maybe with the rule changes in freestyle when we went to a clinch uh clinch um uh, jamil found his niche and his style and man it was just awesome to be a part of you know be around jamil and those guys um you know and just being around jamil and his training and his journey of going from nothing to you know, just a hero yeah. uh, was, was, was incredible. You so know, he was you had a guy like an Eric. All-American for now. So you had a guy like, you had a guy like Eric that was a three-time national champ and he was on, you know, these world teams, you know, he's in a tough weight class and, you know, and then you had a guy like Jamil who never did anything and, and, and kind of found his way through it. Um, you know, so just when some things hit for some people at different times, it's, you know, really incredible to see that. Um, uh, and in, and in Cormier and seeing Cormier, um, I mean, you know, he was a one-time All-American finalist to Kale, um, um, and then making the world team in '03 and the Olympic team in '04, um, and and really, you know, if the rules were today, I'd say Daniel would be like a, you know, three or four-time medalist, you know, with the two third places. Um, you know, he lost in the semifinals of the Olympics to Katsalov and then lost in a bronze medal match to Iranian Hadari who's who guys were just really good. You he know, had he some just, battles with Hadari just... over the years, man. Oh man. And Cormier yeah. I did, again to your point, Guerrero was was what you'd expect, right? Just one of the best all the way mm. through. Cadet world teams, the whole thing. I know Cormier mm. went to JUCO and then got to Oki State, but again never won, but then was unstoppable at the senior level. And in 04, the Olympic team trials were in Indianapolis. My mom took me, I was in middle school, for my birthday present. And I never for, I'll never forget it. And we went there, and it was like my first big-time event. I've ne- I'd never been to nationals or anything like that at this point in time. Yeah, they had it in a football stadium. Yeah, at the RCA Dome. Stadium. Yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, awesome. 
And yeah. I was a big Joe Williams fan at the time because he was from Illinois. Yeah. And so I'd go behind stage and watch Joe Williams warm up. <laughs> and I just, I liked watching the warm ups as much as the tournament almost. And I, Absolutely. You know, like you're back there seeing these guys scrap around. And, and then that was the year when Lee Fullhart had beaten Kale at the U.S. Open. Oh, and, man. It was. Oh, what a freaking was, year. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, it's, that was a crazy. It was a crazy event. Um, you know, they had it in the football field. Um, and uh, two matches from the freestyle went to the went to the third match of the best of three. And it was it was Kale and Jamil. And um, I think Jamil won the first match and lost the second match to Lawrence. And then came back for a third match. And then I think with Kale, I think Kale, same way, might have won the first and then lost the second. And I remember because I was in the back with Jamil you know, getting warmed up with them, and and that's where you really got to see it. I mean, you really got to see the emotions out of out of people. Yeah. You know, even out of Kale, you got to see the emotions. I mean, it was, you know, it was a high stress. I mean, especially even with Kale. You know, he was four time undefeated. You know, um, national champ. Um, you know, took second at the world championships the year before. You know, and everyone's just like, it's a shoo-in. This guy's supposed to win. He's supposed to win. He's supposed to win the Olympics. And all of a sudden, he gets beat by Lee Fullhart um, at the Open, and then he gets beat by him now. And now, all of a sudden, you know, he's one match away from not making the Olympic team. Yeah. You know, and this is, I mean, so, you know, and we're in the back, and John's going over technique with Jamil, and, and, and you see Cal and his brother. And, I mean, and even the interaction between John and Cal, um, you know, during during that time. Um, really? So, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was tough. And then Kale came out, and Kale won, and then and then um, it was uh, the Greco match that went on for about an hour, seventeen minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, like Dennis Hall yeah. and. Uh... Yeah, well, that was they kind of screwed up a little bit of uh, our warm up because Jamil was the next match with with with. Uh, with Lawrence. So when that match was going on, they were like, we're going to go until someone scores a point. <laughs> you know, I was like, is this legal? Dude, they, they were announcing <laughs> but, it as the match was going. They were like, the, yeah. the match will, and like, so think about if you're a guy wrestling, you're kind of listening to the announcers, but not really, right? You kind of hear it, but you don't hear it. But they're yeah. announcing it like at minute six, they're like, keep wrestling. We're going to go until someone scores. And so the guys wrestling are getting a rule change like halfway through the match. I, I think they just made the rule yeah. up during the match. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I I'm knowing knowing both those guys, they they didn't care. They probably thought it was the fairest thing, which Yeah, it I was. Mean, honestly, at the time I did. It was the fairest thing. But what was crazy is that, you know, you're thinking this match is going to end at normal regulation and all of a sudden another minute goes by and they're like, "All right, someone's going to score." And then another minute goes by and then another minute goes by and another all of a sudden yeah, 17 minutes into a match, and you've been on your feet warming up. You know, now you go out there. You know, which was which was. I don't know if it messed any of them up, but Jamil did a good job of controlling his emotions, and he went out there and then, you know, got the win and made the team, and then Kale made the team, and then, you know, went on to the Olympics. And yeah, and you brought up Joe Williams. I mean, you know, at those training camps because I was with those guys, they kept putting me with Joe Williams, and I was a 49 pounder. I was like, oh. what the heck, are you guys doing? Oh. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, and so I would have to go matches with, with Joe in training camp. I'm like, Joe, just don't slam me. Like, I'll, I'll go, like, just don't pick me up. Because on Joe, with Joe and, and everyone, kind of the older people talk about, like, you know, 
could Joe be Burroughs? Could Burroughs be Joe at the time? Because people that seen Joe like train and and wrestle, like he was he was really good. He was really good, and and, and could change speeds on a dime and and have you up over his head in a in a second. And I mean, he was so big and so strong too for for that weight class. Um, he just had guys like Satiev in front of him. Yeah, I was just watching uh, the Satiev Joe Williams match, and I made a little clip of. Joe Williams blast doubling him, but then you see Satiev come back, and like he even got a reverse. Yeah. We well, got a reversal from Parterre, which was weird to see, and then he just took control. But it was still a close match. But um, that's a guy you you kind of scratch your head at how he never consistently medal at the world level, and not that's not a knock on him. That's just I thought he was well, that it was good. Just, it was. I mean, it was. And, and probably the same thing with him and, and as with Daniel is that if there were the two third places then, he probably would have about five medals. True, um, yeah. You know, because if you you had to make it to the semis, and then if you lost in the semis, you cross-bracketed, and that was your third-place match, you know? So right. um, you're you're literally wrestling the, you know, the four best guys in the world are wrestling each other, you know? It's not, you know, you, you know sometimes you might get on a side, and all of a sudden you, you luck out and... You get you get a guy that makes the finals, and you lose, say in the semis, or say you lose in the quarters, and you get you get a certain country for third and fifth, and then you know you got that chance. Do you know what was so, uh, what was wrestling Joe Williams like back when you were a young guy, a little bit lighter than him? <laughs> I was like, don't wrestle him, don't wrestle him, don't open yourself up because he's gonna <laughs> blast double you. <laughs> you know, it was just like. It's kind of like wrestling with Derringer. The harder you try to wrestle, the harder you wrestled them, like the worse it got. God, um, man, he was so know, big back guys, then, so big. Yeah, he was huge. He was huge, and I had to wrestle him during the off the off season. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, about a month and a half before the Olympics, when he was weighing about one eighty five. <laughs> man, we had so. uh, Joe Heskett on, and I mean, that's a guy. He literally only lost to Williams for like six years in a row, and he was one of the best yeah. there was. Um, yeah, him and Pritzloff, him and Pritzloff. I think, you know, Pritzloff, Pritzloff, the one year he made the team, uh, he took third. Yeah, so, yeah, that was that was the that was the three. And then you threw Tyrone Lewis into the mix. Right. There was four. I mean, that top four was, was pretty crazy. It was Joe and Heskett, Joe Williams, and, and Tyrone Lewis. And, yeah, those, yeah are, those are some of my favorite teams, man. Steven Abbas was obsessed with that guy, Guerrero. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Jamil was just an unbelievable story because I thought yeah. that year it was probably I can't remember if Bill Zadek was at that weight or who was the guy who was supposed to win. It was everyone in '03. Well, in '03 is when Jamil made his run. He, you know, he never was an All American, and, and he beat he beat Tony Davis, who was a national champ. He beat um, he beat Lincoln McAravey. Yep. He beat he beat Bo, he beat um, he beat Bill, and then he beat. Uh, and then he beat Bono to make the team. Man. I mean, for him to go through that, I mean, it was like a guy that was – he could have went from like fifth place finish to, to winning it and, and jumpstart his career. But Abbas, Stephen Abbas was one of my favorites to to to, to watch. Oh, man. Uh, to be around and watch him. So, he was awesome. Yeah, it was nice, man. I, I, I grew up – like that's kind of the thing about me is I'm real fortunate enough to be around the people that I was around – um, you know, in my career, I mean, even in my high school I was with some guys that were, you know, we had a pretty spectacular team in my high school, um, around some guys that went on to be national champs. And then my college team, like, you know, it was, 
it was, you know, guys that, you know, were multiple time national champs also. And, you know, my junior year, the year we won, um, had five champs and won four, four team titles. And then, you know, right into 04 team of the Olympics where, you know, you know, you're, you, you were around Kale when Kale was working out and, and Daniel and Jamil and Eric and, and, um, you know, Abbas, I mean, and bringing those names up, some people may be listening, might not recognize them, but those guys were, were, were awesome. Oh. Were awesome. You know, so it was, it was nice to be, be around that and be around coach Smith fear for the past 17 years. And, you know, the knowledge of, of those guys. And then, you know, my career ended a little bit short. Um, so, you know, this podcast is, you know, wrestling changed my life. I think I think the real part of wrestling that changed my life is when I started coaching. Um, and and uh, you know, I, it was '09. I got hurt, and and um, what happened? You know, while while I was taking my time off, I broke my back and a uh, couple other things. <laughs> no but, shit, uh, I didn't know that. I was actually going to ask why uh, why you transitioned into coaching you know, yeah, relatively young. I, I, it was it was just it was it was injuries. Um, when I, when I, when I hurt my back, I had back surgery and then I had to take like literally a full year off. And when I took that year off, my muscles kind of started of atrophy and then other things started to come out. Like my, I got, I had to get neck surgery, my hip, I had a hip surgery. I had to get a bunch of stuff done, <laughs> which, which, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'll take a year off and I'll come back and, 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 and get back on track. Um, and it just, you know, life happens too. I got married, had kids and, all of a sudden, um, you know, my body didn't respond the way it is. So, you know, that's probably the most that I owe to Coach Smith is that during that time he was really, he was really patient with me and stuck with me. And he gave me, um, he, he put me in charge of something, you know. So like, uh, um, you know, the, the the coaching staff was full, um, but Chris Pendleton was here training. Uh, Coleman Scott and Obi Blanc just got done with college, so they started training. So I just started coaching the freestyle guys. Um, so because um, cause they were pretty busy with the college team, so you know I was with those guys on a day to day basis. And um, Obi made the team in 2010, and then that's when I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. You know, I could do this coaching thing. You know, and um, you know that that probably is what really turned my career and my life around was, was the coaching side of it than more than the wrestling side of it. Um, so did you go through a little you know, bit of a phase where you were, you know, a lot of athletes when they're done, they go through a little bit of a slump or depression, kind of trying to figure out what they want to do in life. Did you feel that? And then coaching kind of pulled you out of it? No, I mean, I always wanted to coach. It was just a matter of when I was going to coach. Um, but I'd say those guys training, you know, you know, you know, you know, breathe that life back into me of going, you know, just because your career's over doesn't mean that your wrestling career's over. Um, you know, um, you know, even if you get into business, you're, you're still, you still got that wrestler in you. Um, but no, those guys, um, you know, uh, Coleman was, was, uh, on the verge of making a team. He was behind some tough guys like, you know, Mike Zadick at the time and, and Sean Bunch, and um, Oe popped through, made the world team in 2010. So he went to the world championship at coach. Chris Pendleton was just like on that verge of of making the team. Also, was was in the top three. Um, so you know maybe it gave me something to do. 
um, to distract me from retirement. Right. Um, but, um, you know, but, um, ultimately it, it, you know, it created my own coaching plans and, and, um, you know, you know, focused on developing those guys to be able to, to jump another level. Um, and then, um, you know, they turned out to be successful and then, you know, a volunteer job opened up and I moved into the volunteer role and the assistant role opened up and then, you know, just kind of worked my way up the ladder. And, um, you know, so now that's kind of just how my career fell into it. And now you know? you're so it wasn't. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, but it just kind of just fell into, just kind of fell into that. And, and, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that wrestling teaches us is, is just to endure. And, 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 um, sometimes you just got to endure tough times. And sometimes you got to just in, endure the grind and, and, um, you know, um, you know, I think I think um, you hear stories about like Navy SEALs and and um, they talk about Hell Week and and all this stuff they go through and and um, sometimes it's it's just getting through it, you know. Right. Sometimes you just got to get through it to get to the next level, or not even get to the next level. It's just you know just to give yourself an opportunity. So I think that's the biggest thing that it's taught me is that hey, you know, tough times don't last they definitely don't last and good times are ahead. And, and sometimes you go through a slump and sometimes you go through a high and you try to stay even keel and, and, um, you know, just endure it, just endure it. And, and, and I, and, and I was able to do that and I'm still fairly young in my coaching career. So I'm sure there's going to be some tough times ahead and some great times ahead. Yeah. It's the, and it's also the mindset to, to kind of accept that, Hey, whatever comes at me, I'll be fine you know, just one foot in front of the other and keep keep the momentum going, but I'll, I'll be fine through this. Yeah. It's not going to last. And I know you got to go, so we'll sign off with this. What are you excited for as you look ahead in your coaching career over the next two, three, four, five years? What gets you excited about about uh, uh, your passion? I don't know. I try not to look ahead. I try not to look ahead at all. I mean, honestly, I just take it year by year. Um, but this year, I'm just excited about you know, opportunities like Dayton to make the Olympic team and, and um, you know, guys on our team to, to go win a national title and pitch in senior year. You know, I'm excited for him. And I'm excited for a lot of these new guys, these freshmen, to get out there and get their feet wet and, um, you know, develop throughout the year. But, you know, other than that, um, I take year by year. When the season ends, I reevaluate it and go on. But I like it's, that. Uh, exciting time you know no, you guys got derringer you got fix and then you got you just signed yeah. this kid out of high school man that kid in texas ferrari Whew, that kid's a uh -huh. specimen dude I, I watch videos of him online he is unbelievable so a lot of good stuff ahead for uh for okie state man and i just want to thank you for taking the time i enjoy just you know cutting it up here about some wrestling back in the the early 2000s it was a lot of fun yeah appreciate it thanks for having me on have a great day man and all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.